You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. A kiss, as defined by Dan Webster, is something pleasing, a caress, a gentle touch. But there's another kiss that isn't in Webster's. Hey world, we're kids! Some critics say they don't make music, they just make noise. Yeah, kiss! Kiss implies the extreme in the theatrics on stage, utilizing fire and smoke and bizarre costumes and the ever-consistent, constant concealment of their true identities. Speaking of which, Kiss is going to have its own comic book soon. Take Kiss with you. It's fun. Show your friends and be the first. Now. No! And welcome once again to No Time to Turn, a Kiss Nerd podcast. Nerds. Yep. And joining me as always are Cap and Alex from the Something Good For You podcast. Yo, yo. What's going on? I don't know if y'all have had the time to check out the Something Good For You podcast, but it's something. It's something good. Something good. And it can be for you. Yeah. Yeah. I say it's good for everybody. Gotta, I gotta but. say it correctly. It's something good for ya. Yeah. <laughs> Why? For yous. So check that out if y'all get a chance. And uh, along. Uh, meanwhile, we're glad you're joining us here on No Time to Turn. And uh, we are now going to jump into the year 1979 with the uh, with the uh, the pinnacle of Kiss's success. Maybe the the big the beginning of the decline. But this is the album Dynasty, and we're going to look at all things Dynasty and Dynasty related. Mm-hmm. And this is 1979. Yes. Um, Finally wrapped up our 78 series. We covered Double Platinum, the solo albums, the TV movie, all the merchandising, all the big stuff. So, yeah, definitely listen to those episodes if you haven't already. 1978 was such a big year for Kiss. And, uh, you know, here they're starting the year in the studio. Now, this is only a few months after the airing of their television movie, Kiss Meet the Phantom of the Park. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park. We had to clarify that in the last episode. Yeah, there's various uh, versions of the title. But yeah, they get into uh, the studio starting in January of 1979. And I have that they're in Electric Lady. I have Electric Lady and the Record Plant. Plants, I yeah. think they mixed it Record Plant. Okay. I so. And think, you know what's weird is it almost has that Electric Lady sound to the record. That studio really has a sound. Well, you know what's interesting is this is the last sessions in Electric Lady that used the original console that was installed when Hendrix oh, built wow. the place. I wonder if there's something to that. There, there may well be, you know. You know, but that's, you know, I don't know that the average listener would pick up on such no, no but we you know, would kissners, yeah yeah or just Man, like that that old console has mojo say <laughs> <laughs> i'm the kind of guy that would like to listen for that kind of shit though so i'm gonna go definitely look uh into electric uh, lady again and uh <laughs> kind of pick that apart so this is january of 79 mm-hmm. um they brought in vinnie poncia, poncia to produce to who of course produced Peter's solo album. Yep. Mm-hmm. Upon um, Peter's request. This was a concession to Peter. But also I think because he got such good results out of Peter, uh probably both um not only professionally but personally as well, he could work with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but it was also one of those where it's like uh as uh, Peter was prone to do uh, you get me. Uh, you do this for me, or I'm leaving the band. Well, maybe, but I don't know. How, I don't know how seriously they would have ever taken those kind of threats. I no. think if they had been, if they had had a very clear idea of who they wanted to produce that was someone else, they would have gone with it, regardless of honestly, what Peter said. And Peter would have gone with it too, because it, honestly, I think that's they were just going down shit. the path of least resistance. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe, but I mean, I think, think about I all. I, I that's a good that, point, though. I think that, that I think really, you know, I think they would have done what they wanted to do. I think you absolutely, know, but I mean, you also have to think about where they are at the time. Uh, Every book, every account talks about that, you know, by this point in their uh, careers, everyone has like a personal bodyguard that's been, you know, trained to know what their likes and dislikes are and what they need and don't need beforehand at shows and everything else. Mm -hmm. So it almost seems like if they're dealing already with four volatile, you know, rock stars like this, if Peter is going to continue with the sort of behavior he seems to exhibit when he gets a little flustered and frustrated, rightfully so or not. 
I wouldn't see that maybe as too far of a stretch for them to go, okay, fine, we'll just use his you, producer. We'll just, this is supposed to be the return of Kiss. Let's just you, you get said, this out. You said flustered and frustrated. Mm-hmm. Might could also use the word ha. <laughs> yes. I mean, <laughs> uh, this is that era. I mean, you know, they've made no bones about it. Peter has been pretty forthright and open in his book about, you know, this is cocaine time yeah and this is right after a, a huge car accident that he uh, a, went through yeah, and everything so, too and that's gonna play into the side i think to a certain extent but um you know for good or for not they seem to be incorporating peter into the decision making process so you know that could be you know i think that's important to note and because i don't know if he even notices that or feels that way but mm-hmm. you know they they're they're saying okay you know what let's use your guy here yeah you know and and he would think going into it that the using his guy would mean hey let's use more peter on this album that wound up not being the case that wound up being quite not the case now now it is alleged because of the car wreck and we mentioned this in the previous episode at the end of the filming but that's the previous spring yes And, and and when i was reading that little blurb about the car accident um the uh, article that was mentioning it said that Peter would uh, have, you know, fast recovery and be ready to finish his solo album. Yeah. Well, so he was still in the process of making his 78 solo record right. when that accident happened. Well, he should have been. But fine. he doesn't play on the whole of his own solo album. No, but they were saying, but it's still, that was a year ago. And yeah. he was still, regardless well, of his the, problems, he still would have been. not quite a year. It's. It's the end of May. The next year. So six months. Yeah. Yeah, but this was a choice made by Pontia himself, too. Yeah, basically saying that he didn't feel Peter was up to snuff. Maybe. I don't... See, I don't feel That's everything I was reading. You know, they they used Peter on one track, Mm -hmm. and we'll we'll get to to the thing, but uh, obviously they brought in Anton Fig Mm -hmm. to do the sessions, and uh, he cuts his uh, tracks in about 10 days. The and good, the thing is, and I think they paid him like fifteen grand to do it, which I mean, I mean, a bad that's little like, payday for that's also some hush weeks, money. You know? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, well, they that's understood that he wasn't going to get credited. And I find it interesting too. It's like you know, Anton was such a thunderous force on Ace's record. It seems like he intentionally dialed it back for the oh, Kiss I'm record. I'm sure he's a professional. Mm-hmm. It, it makes me curious as to what his musical tastes were and what his influences were because. Um, you know, he, he ends up in a kind of a dance rock band called Spider. And I actually checked important. that out after we talked about it. And it's important to note the term. I'm, I think this is very an important distinction. Dance rock. This mm-hmm. is a kind of a new kind of a new thing. that we're, we're coming out of the disco era. This album gets called disco a lot. It's not a disco record. It's it not. Really even, even on Wikipedia under genre, it says hard rock slash disco. It's not disco. And I, I have reasons why I'll say that. But before we get there. I would. I would yeah, this isn't getting into it. But I would honestly argue the next record has a lot more disco elements well, than disco this one completely does. dead by the time they do the next record. But I would say the there's more elements in that one than this one. I I, I would disagree, but I, I, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Um, now, there's a underling in a coin management, Rick, Albert, uh, Rick Alberte, who has made a deal to have Kiss as the Grand Marshals in the Mardi Gras Parade in New Orleans. Okay. okay. However, uh, and they they they're getting lined up on this. Apparently, there's an offer on the table and, from a promoter to put a stadium show together in the Superdome as See, part I never of the heard whole any thing. Of those. Well, because none of this happens, right? right. <laughs> well, I'm talking about like even the hearsay story yeah. of it starting yeah, up. It, it gets they they get it rolling, and then all of a sudden, apparently, there is a strike by the police in New Orleans, which scuttles the. Uh, security efforts and they feel like it's going to turn into a riot or something well they just they were unsure that the security would be strong enough to to manage Mm -hmm. um so the whole deal gets scrubbed yeah there's another opportunity later on i think where they they attempt again. There's there's coins that are available. There were novelty coins that were struck during the Creatures of the Night era. Yes, okay. and it was to celebrate their tenth anniversary. That that you said that pulled up a random memory. We'll, we'll go. We'll <laughs> go like over that. We'll get over that whenever we get there. <clears throat> but, so this, but I do you know, know exactly what not, you're talking my, about. The reason why I bring it up is not to confuse the two different events. They're not. You know, I think sometimes they get conflated. But this is early '79. There was a deal that it was trying to be. They were trying to incorporate Kiss as part 
part of Mardi Gras. Yeah, which that would just happen a few years later. Makes sense. Um, but okay, so we get into uh, the Dynasty album, and like we said, we've got. Um, I guess they had a um, a brief flirtation with Giorgio Moroder. And what's he? Uh, he is normally the, associated the, with? the the Euro disco guy. I mean, uh, he did. Okay. Uh, I think he was producing Donna Summer's early stuff, and then he did lots of different things. I, you'd have to look it up. Um, did the Midnight uh, Midnight Express soundtrack? Okay, the theme song of which, of course, the wrestling the tag Express team would use all used. through the eighties, which of course has been erased from all their current WWE programs because they don't own the content rights to it. Right, but you know. Uh, it is what it is. But they used a lot of that music for uh, for sports stuff. Uh, it wasn't just you know that wrestling company, but gotcha. a lot you know it, you was, a lot of instrumental kind of. Now was Donna Summer still on Casablanca at this oh, time? Yeah. That oh, yeah. that could have been an easy hookup. Whether it was well, for, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know the ins and outs on that. I just know that uh, they they evidently they they made some effort to do something with them, and it went nowhere. At what point this happened, I don't know. That could be late. You know, it could have been late 78. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is the longest stretch of downtime I think Kiss has had. I mean, for this studio is time, for, probably. For anything. I mean, they've, you know, from the their last uh, little bit of work they've had going on was the filming of Kiss Meets the Phantom. Mm-hmm. And uh, that they did a show... What do I got here? They did the show at Magic Mountain on May. I got them May nineteenth. So they've got six months of downtime here to prepare for this next album cycle. Not even any one-offs or anything like that. Yeah, because uh, on uh, there's a website called uh, Kiss seventy eight Solo Albums dot com, and it's a uh, offshoot of the Kiss FAQ. And there's like a full timeline of their 78. And yeah, after they wrap up with record, uh, recording the, uh, or filming rather, the movie, there's like a little bit of like post-production stuff that they're still working on with their solo records. But I mean, the solo records come out, come out like what, oh, yeah, a month later. So the end of, so it's not like there's not stuff happening. And I know that, uh, uh, I know Paul at least did some in-store stuff and I think some radio appearances yeah. to promote his solo album. But nobody then did the like movie a- comes out in, mm-hmm. on uh, October 28th. So even though it was downtime and they're even billing this record as the return of Kiss, it's, they were still it, rolling. They were still rolling hard. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on here. So uh, they're in the studio and they start making the Dynasty record. Uh, do we want to just... We'll just uh, start trudging this track by track here. Yeah. Uh, before we go into that, got- uh, I think it's interesting that this is one of the first Kiss records where you really start seeing whoever wrote the song plays the majority of the instruments. Yeah, yeah. this is interesting. Because in yeah. uh, the personnel, it says for Paul Stanley, he does, uh, of course, vocals, rhythm, guitar, and then leads on Sure Know Something, Magic Touch, and bass on I Was Made For Loving You. Mm-hmm. And then for Gene... Oh, Paul plays bass on our? Yep, that's, that's what it weird. I, I, that's that's because it's a. I was going to ask. That's an mm-hmm. unusual bass line. It's not a Gene bass line to me. Same, yeah, same thing with uh, a lot of the Ace tracks. So yeah, Ace plays as a Gene Simmons vocals, bass, and then rhythm guitar on X Ray Eyes, mm-hmm. and then Ace vocals, lead guitar, and all guitars and bass on Two Thousand Man Hard Times and Save yeah. Your Love. Ace plays everything on all his songs except for the drums. Yep. Yeah, and they all yeah. kind of uh, were in their own little camps, cutting the demos for these songs. Yeah. So you should, we see, and we talked about this in the previous episode. We see that the group is becoming even more fragmented, uh, as they, you know they've already set themselves up to compete against each other with the solo albums. Yep. Now yeah. the solo albums have come out. None of them have been especially. None of them have been a hit. No. Uh, the closest, except really for Ace's single. Ace's, but what Ace's single is, we talked about in his episode, doesn't really peak until the spring of 79. So that hasn't happened yet. No. So my my uh, my impression always was, looking at this album, that you know they saw that Ace's solo album was the most successful, and therefore they gave him a lot more leeway on this record because Ace has three songs, which is yeah. a lot. Yeah. But maybe not when you think about it, because maybe the only thing that makes it seem like a lot is because he's actually singing them. Um, 
Whereas prior, he would write songs. Yeah. But Gene would sing them or Peter would sing them. Mm-hmm. So it's not even necessarily they're giving him more room. It just feels like it because he's singing them. And then, of course, of his three songs, one's a cover. But we'll we'll get to that. Do we just... How do you- and then uh, they also talk about uh, Peter recording submitted a four-track demo with the songs Out of Control, mm-hmm. which later showed up on his, right. uh, his 80s solo record, uh, Rumble, uh, which still hasn't really been released outside of bootlegs, and then Dirty Living, and There's Nothing Better. I've not really heard much on There's Nothing Better. Have, have you listened to these demos? Uh, often not, not recently heading into this, but I've heard okay. um, I've heard the demos for Out of Control and uh, Dirty Living okay, before. Well, we'll get to that. When and we then get to um, that. Ace uh, he recorded a five track demo: uh, Hard Times, Save Your Love, uh, Two Thousand Man, and then two other songs: Backstage Pass and Insufficient Data. Insufficient data, Star Child. That's yes. <laughs> what I was about to say. Insufficient data at the moment, Star Child. Uh huh. Uh, Gene wrote a large number of demos, including That's some with too. the members of band Virgin. Now, I've never right. really heard that of Virgin. Was a, well, I, you know, I've heard different things about Virgin. It was a group that he was developing. I guess it was essentially a boy band. Interesting. Was and this when he was starting to uh, form he, Simmons Records no, or whatever? This was way before that. Okay. But he, Simmons you know, he's, Records he's was two thousand. He's oh, got okay. this hyperinflated sense of self worth that he's going to be a mogul in some level of I some sort. Van Halen and yada yada. Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then and says, so Virgin is oh, yeah. a group that he's developing, and I can't. I've. I don't. I don't know if they were a vocal group mm-hmm. or because my understanding was they were still learning to play their instruments, that these were basically teenage boys. Interesting. And the name Virgin. Oh. I might have that wrong though. That might be 120% That's wrong. So weird, but. but it seems like I have that in my head somewhere. And you know, I don't, I don't know. Or they were young guy. I don't know. Yeah. This so, is but a that, Paul wrote I don't song. have any notes on this or to be able to verify that, but that's the way yeah. I understood it. Yeah, and then it says Paul wrote songs with Desmond Child, one called The Fight, which was later released on a Desmond Child and Rouge album called Tonight. Uh, and then uh, that song Tonight was later turned into I, I Was, was made, made for, for Loving You. you. Yeah. Yep, and this is uh, the beginning of the Desmond Child uh, involvement in Kiss that would continue. Well, then, is this, this looks like a good point to jump in I here. I think so. Yeah. I Was Made for Loving You, like you said, it was uh, originally titled tonight the the partnership with uh desmond child desmond child mm-hmm. um and then uh, would it be fair to even say that paul discovered desmond child um from based he's on used, everything he's of, used the, the 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 you know desmond child and rouge it was a guy and two girls mm-hmm. you know they were technically a vocal group i guess and it was like an underground new york thing it's sort of like a, a disco version i guess of tony orlando and dawn Something um, along those lines. I've never listened to uh, any Rouge songs except for one, and the one uh, song that I checked out was pretty cool. So I don't think you can find any of their stuff on Spotify or anything I, you like know, that. Every once in a while, their albums pop up at uh, where I go digging for records and I or album, I should say. I, I've yeah. only seen one. I don't know if they did more than one, but I have never bought it or listened to it. I should have probably. You know, it up. I honestly think that I don't think Paul discovered him. I think it was a perfect storm of things that kind of happened all at once because looking at a little bit of his uh, background and his career, the first thing that's really mentioned is that band. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing mentioned is that uh, one of the songs... Let's see, I just had it, and then it went away from me. Okay, the band was known for their inclusion on the soundtrack of The Warriors in 1979. Well, this is 1979. That's what I'm saying. Paul's already working with I him before that that part happened. Yeah, I thought my understanding is he brought them to Casablanca. So I think that Desmond was already he already hit something and didn't know it, and then Paul was also reaping the benefits of that before the popularity happened, and then. I was made for loving you, and the Warrior soundtrack almost hit at the same time. Yeah, but the Warrior soundtrack wasn't a hit or anything. I mean, but I, it is saying that's one of the yeah, things he's it, noted it might, for. It, yeah, but it, so it, I, it this, may not be this in our bubble. way shadow, overshadows that yeah. in our bubble. Maybe you know, that movie, The Warriors, when it came out, it, it they had actual gang violence at some of the theaters, and so it like. There was a lot of controversy about it. Okay, so I don't know any a lot of the backstory yeah, on that. Yeah, I remember all this going on, and it seemed like so. It, it was almost like it almost like got squashed before it even got any. You know, it so, wasn't. It wasn't. Now there is a gang in the when the Warriors called the Baseball Furies, and they have painted faces, and that was directly inspired by Kiss. Now they don't have Kiss like faces, but the incorporation of a facial face paint 
was inspired by Kiss. The 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 the, the, the costume designer of the movie mm-hmm. has but stated. And one such. more little sidetrack to even work off what you said, just pulling up reception for the Warriors, just to get a little bit of background on that. It said for the box office, after two weeks free of incidents. The studio expanded the display as to take advantage of reviews from reputable critics, including The New Yorker. So that even leads in right there saying two weeks free of incidents yeah. meant that they were worried about that release. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I remember it being in theaters and I remember that con- controversy, but... Um but you I don't know. know. I, I think it's. I think it's given Paul a little bit too much to say he discovered. Well, Desmond I, that's Child. what I'm just. I'm just curious because I'm pretty opinion. sure I was under the impression that he brought them to Casablanca mm-hmm. and helped get them signed. Either but way. I might be wrong about that. I just have that in my head. So this track, though, I was made for loving you. This is. This, this is a statement track that yeah. Kiss is not the, the Kiss that you were listening to two years prior. The flagship uh, track for this resurgence, so the return of Kiss. This so-called return of Kiss. I would say the only song on the record that sounds disco, maybe aside from Dirty Living. Well, it's got the four on the floor dance beat. Mm-hmm. That's the disco signature. And uh, Paul always tells that story of hanging out at Studio 54, yeah. and then he heard and, that like yeah, every yeah, yeah, song yeah. had the same BPM, and he found out what it was. He wanted to try he wanted it. to go home and write a song, then he got up with Desmond Child and wrote it. But and, this is still got, it's a guitar-driven song. I listened to it again this afternoon, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, the song, even the guitar, the guitars, you would think they'd be a lot cleaner. To no, get more they're, of they're, they're, still they're, pretty, they're still pretty gravelly. It's got Ace's lead on it. Nope, that's Paul's lead. No, that is not Paul Stanley. You it's, sure? I'm not. Well, I can't say that definitively, but I would say most assuredly. I don't care what gets the credit. That's an Ace Frehley guitar. That, like that's like those little stutter kind of little riffs or leads that he does. Surprise! It's actually Tommy Thayer. Yeah. But but. But, but yeah. to be fair, in the in the disco comparison, he has you know in the middle the falsetto that kind of calls to mind the Bee Gees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but again, this is not the band of just a few years prior. Nope. This is this is a new model Kiss. They have embraced uh, what I would call. I think the 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 key word here would be contemporary. Yeah. But the problem with being contemporary is it stamps you to a certain time and this album Mm -hmm. and maybe it's only because of my own sense of growing up in nostalgia because this is you know i'm i was old enough to really uh, you know i can remember getting the single for this before Mm -hmm. the album was out now did you have the extended maxi single i i have since gotten it yes okay i was going to mention there is a 12 inch dance remix of this that's eight minutes long yeah I never uh, haven't spent time with that yet it's a different mix it's interesting Mm -hmm. but it's not so interesting that you've have to have yeah, it. Yeah, you right. could live your whole life and never have heard you it. Can you can almost imagine what it's like. Just extend the... It basically loops the song. Yeah. I'm sitting there going, like, I'm sure I know exactly how it sounds. Yep. Imagine just being whacked out of your mind on cocaine and everything else and just hearing that for eight minutes straight in that fucking dance club. They used to put classical music. There was like a whole like 70s where they put classical music through a disco beat loop. Well... See, now that's what I'm saying is the signature of all disco is it has the orchestration, mm-hmm. you know, the, the string section, and this has no string section. This is really a dance rock song. Yeah, yeah. there's synth. A rock, there is a synth, but yeah. this is, you know, this is, uh, it's influenced, it's coming from <laughs> disco, the era of disco, but disco is dying. And this is more, I, I, to me, this has more of a European flavor to it, which the European dance music didn't have as much that lush orchestration and what have you. It seems like American disco was largely informed by like the Philadelphia R&B kind of thing, mm-hmm. which had always had the you know, the big symphonic score underneath or whatever. And now taking out Strutter 78. Played off of that. And because the Bee Gees had such success, that really is what informed the quote unquote disco sound. Yeah, I can okay. see that. And taking out uh, Strutter 78, would you say that this is the first time that Kiss broke their trend of being trend followers and no longer trend setters? Oh, absolutely. But mm-hmm. I never would say they were trend setters. I, we've talked about that. Paul's a great stylist. He, it, he's, he's a great uh, um, aggregator of ideas and, mm-hmm. and recycling them in a way that feel fresh and new, but you can still call them to mind, okay, you know. And here he's doing it again. It's just here he's doing it 
to a lot more blatant, more blatantly to get, you know, he's like, I'm going to do this and they do do it. And you know, the, the fucked up thing about it is they do it really well. Yeah. Yeah. I love the song, you know, you, but it's quite unexpected coming from kiss, Mm -hmm. you know, but again, going back, what I was going to say, looking back at this, it still feels very 1979 to me. I like it a lot. It it sounds like I I imagine in my head, like I have this, I call it the Superman effect because Superman had this visual design that seemed very, you know, modern at the Mm -hmm. time. And because they filmed both those movies back to back, but they came out in different times, the Superman and Superman one, they filmed at the, they filmed the two Superman movies consecutively at the same time. Yeah, they, I know what you, mean. you know, and so that era seems to be encapsulated by this kind of what I see as not, you know, like late mid late eighties is very pastel color. Early seventies is very you know, muted colors. This is kind of like a crystalline, you know, kind of. I don't know. It takes I, you back to a takes, certain. Yeah, it's like time I, it just piece. feels very like. Uh, I don't know, kind of almost like... You don't want to say dated, but... Yeah, well, it's definitely dated. That's my point. And and that's what I mean by contemporary. It kind of puts a hard stamp on this is of this time. It's, you know, early Kiss you know, production value and stuff, but you can still... It still it, 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 it transcends its own time, mm-hmm. which all great rock and roll does. I don't think this is ever going to be able to transcend its time. It's a statement of its era. No, and, and from, particularly this song. And from folks that were there, like, you know, I've seen interviews of guys in, that were in bands in the 70s and 80s that still called this the disco song. Well, yeah, you know? I mean, and I think that's because there's no other frame of reference. Yeah. You can't get around it. Like I said, that four on the floor dance beat. Whereas like guys like me and Alex who weren't there see it as a, you know, really cool kiss song, you know, from, you I know, see with it, disco. I see it as what we were talking too. about earlier with Anton shit. It's dance rock. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a dance rock thing. And this is going to, you know, this becomes more kind of a flavor of music that exists for the next several years. Mm-hmm. Um, but then now we're going to talk about each song as did definitely as we did that one. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe That's not. A we'll, just, we'll just roll with it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, and then it goes kind of a left turn. It goes into a, a, a cover, a cover song of a Rolling Stone song. Yeah. But again, hours. Ace shines with his covers and didn't want to choose this one at first either. It's, or didn't want to record this one at first. It's a Rolling Stones cover, 2000 Man, which appears originally on the uh, Satanic Majesty's record for the Stones. Satanic! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Nights in Satan's service. The devil. That's why they chose it. Uh, this works for Ace. It does, especially with the computer themed elements and the futuristic. Funny flowers outside his windowsill. But you know what? I don't know that this works so well for Kiss. Really? I don't know. It you know it doesn't have the Stonesy swagger. And I kind of wonder if if Ace and Peter had played on, or excuse me, Paul and Peter had played on this, maybe they would have pulled out some of that swagger. Now, I'll well, say that do. I'm saying this to a point because we're going to explore another song that would could have had a Stonesy swagger also and doesn't. Well, I'm saying we do get a version with Paul and uh, Peter. When they play it live. But, mm-hmm. uh, on the know, MTV Unplugged. I say it, when they, well, they also played it on the tour. Yeah, I'm referring MTV Unplugged. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. yeah. But it just—I don't know. I, I think I this, think it's a great Kiss song. I think it's a great A song. I think it, I think it fits because this song fits right next to New York Groove. Yeah, but and I don't—you know—Ace didn't want to do that song. So Ace didn't want to do weird. any song well, that yeah. wound up being his hits. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he didn't want to do those, and then in the '90s he didn't want to do "Do Ya," and that's what brought well, him back from the ditches on that. So Ace but, just needs to learn to shut up this. and listen to people, well, right? <laughs> but he cho- obviously chose this. It's just an odd. It seems like it's an odd choice of a cover. I don't know. For I mean, Kiss, like I said, it fits better to Ace, but it just—I don't know. There's something about this that just feels anomalous to the rest of the album. Oh man, I, I mean, I'd, pretty, I'd say there's another ooh. song on here that feels anomalous to. I feel this fits right in, especially, especially the first three, "Made for Loving You," 2000 Man Sure Knows Something." Oh, I, I feel like all of it, those it lead clunks, into each other. I, perfect. I just, it's a it's a weird clunk between the the two songs here because the, the next song, "Sure Knows Something," that's pretty disco too. Well, I mean, no, that's disco. that's it's a little R and B. But yeah. let's go stay on 2000 Man. The reason I say it's not that different is. It's not like a punch you in the face song. No. It's not aggressive. It's not overly fast. And 
it even kind of comes in a little bit mild. It's just for well, see, for t- the first half of the song. Just guitars and but toms. This, fall, this seems to fall on the one and the three more than it does the two and the four. I think it just lands on the one over and over. Yeah, I know. Doom. That's what I mean. It's like, So that's what I'm saying. It's like it, it, it doesn't. That takes the swagger of a Stones feel out of it, and it kind of just lumbers a little well, bit. I'm not even I comparing like the song. I'm Don't not comparing it to a Stones like song. I'm comparing know, it to I'm, everything else know, on the record, but which just, is what we I'm should kind of going. I'm looking at like, uh, well, we'll get we'll get to my point. I'll I'll, I'll drive this point. Try, try to drive it home here in a minute. <laughs> sure, know something. Oh, we're moving. Okay, <laughs> yeah, let's just keep it moving. Sure, sure, know something. I like it. There we go. <laughs> now you talk. Hey, I like the song too. I think it would have gone. Uh, it would have been perfect coming out of uh, "I Was Made for Loving You." This might be the strongest track on this album. I'm um, looking at the album. I still think I, I was. I still think I was made for loving you is definitely the strongest. You know, you know, context now, and historical I think vo- vocal melody, song construction. Uh, everything, even the, the way it builds the yeah, solo, the, yeah, the way it launches into every chorus. Mm-hmm. I love guitar. that. I love that bass line too. The, bass the build line, up and and the word I come back to, and I've used this when we were discussing um, what well, we mentioned on Paul's album and on Peter's too, is that kind of very urban New mm-hmm. York City kind of New York City at night kind of. I mean, thing. It even just starts out with that little bass line. That's what boom. I'm saying. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I mean, to me. That gives the, I guess, the illusion of a disco feel, but there is nothing disco about this song at all. It doesn't even have the four on the floor on it. And it's, that's why I think that it leads the, in from 2000 Man Better. Is uh, I think that four on the floor is only evident now was made for loving you. Well, and that's what I'm saying. That makes why I say 2000 Man sounds kind of anomalous. Is It just seems like a weird, maybe it's just the placement in between these two songs. Do you, it just feels honestly, like a, do you it's think a weird that maybe dip. it's because you're also a Stones fan now no, no now I, I'm, it's because look i'm not as much of a stones fan so i don't relate this to the rolling stones right. i relate this 100 percent to kiss, kiss and, and i did for years yeah. so but, so that's maybe my correlation is when i hear that song the production value and this is what i was trying to lead in with earlier when i was where oh we we're moving on which no, is the I'm production sorry. value and it's never it never really attacks you so let's even pull it back to what we were talking about with the solo records you were talking about with paul and peter's record and even jeans to an extent that like their foot's on the gas they're just not really giving it that full bit of extra oomph that they need to make it a good rock song on the break this song i feel like is holding on to that break a little bit which keeps it in line with dynasty i feel like if they could have went full swagger with it and then it would have went further right. off track well i agree but as it is i still think I, th- I think it might just be the placement i think i could see putting like magic touch in that spot which we'll get yeah. to but yeah, it just yeah. it just it's an odd placement between these two songs it's just it just doesn't it disrupts the flow to me when yeah. i listen to it as an but sure know something still is one of the i think it oh, is but the sure best on something the is probably the best song on this album it's really good. Oh, it's really underrated. I even like the little, uh, the little, ah. Yeah, I was about to bring that up. The way they, they put it all together, I mean, it's, you know, I think that there, it is not outside the Kiss wheelhouse to do this. This well, seems like to me. I feel like this is more outside the Kiss wheelhouse than 2000, man. Or even I was made for loving you. No. no, I think I made was loving you was the <laughs> biggest that's jump. The, that's the big that's jump. That's the biggest this jump. This seems like a, this was a jump, but it seems like this would have been a progression that I could understand. This sounds like the next song that would have been on Paul's solo record. You yeah. can't tell me I made I was made for loving you would have fit on Love Gun, buddy. I sure know something would. Uh, then she kissed me. Yeah, I don't know. Come on, I mean, man. It's, it's not also, that far disconnected. I don't, know. I don't know. It's hard to say. It, But I can see it in the lineage. I can see the progression here. That makes sense to me. Um, and plus, uh, so we can actually talk about this now, too. This is the first record to have music videos. Yes. And the video for this song is really cool because I like during the uh, the ah part, the floating oh, heads, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. they kind of mimic the Dynasty album cover mm-hmm. in well, a shot or two. We'll get to that because those aren't filmed. Well, I think we can just talk about it when we reach each song. I think that's just okay, makes sense. Well, I, well, I, there's, there's a reason why I want to get to that because there's there's a key point to be made when they made those films. Okay, well, then we wait. Um but I understand what you mean. No, yeah, we yeah, can yeah. reference them. I don't mind your reference. Yeah, yeah. We're just not going to get us out of point here. Um, but then we get the one. Uh, it does show also in the in the in the in the video that Paul plays the lead on it. Yeah. Um, and I don't think 
you know, Paul has a really good lead style. I mean, he's got his own style. He's got a feel. He definitely does. Like when they did it on the, you, you mentioned the unplugged thing mm-hmm. later, you know, uh, the pick scratch is always out of time. It always just drives me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> he comes at the wrong spot. And I'm like, <sighs> didn't Bruce play the solo on MTV yeah, Unplugged? Yeah. That's he, what I thought. He just I was going to say. The, he do, it doesn't have the same feel. Uh, Dirty Living. To, this is Peter's song. This is the one song he plays drums on. And this is the other song that I think could have really benefited if they had slowed it a bit, pulled out more swagger. Oh, and no. it would have turned it into no, a no, stonesy, no. a very stonesy barn burner. It has the potential. Not slowed down a yeah, lot, yeah. but it just... Now, if you want to talk about New York swag, though... This has a da- super dance rock kind of element to it, it too. Kind of. It's It's, it's funk. Because of that it's bass, a the more, bump, it's bump, got more boom, of a, boom, boom, boom. it's not super funky, but it's got more of a funk edge to it, I guess. But mm. uh, you know, and and the way he, you know, that the way the lyric is delivered, it honestly feels kind of New York urban, but, but and that me, works for Peter. I think if it's if they had turned it around a little bit, pulled in the tempo just a little bit to pull out of a again that swagger, mm. it would have felt a lot more. Rootsy and R and B and less. I think I would have liked it less. Thing, well, maybe so, but I just think I it would have worked better because to me it sounds like otherwise it's other. It's kind of neutralized. And again, I listened to it again today. How do you define neutralized? Because I've heard you use that a few times. I don't well, think I understand it just what means you mean. Like, um, well, how can I verbalize it? Um, you know, there's there's a certain element that rock and roll when it, to me like. It's really good when it's just got some raunch to it where you just, you know, your nose wrink- see my nose is wrinkling when yeah. I'm just thinking about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? There's a there's a you know, it's gotta have some stank on it. And to me And this song has no stank on I'll it. See, when I that, say neutralized, I'm like, it's I'll just scrubbed clean. It's I'll like hardly agree you know, on that. I feel like this song has the most stank out of all of them. It yeah. kicks in with it almost sounds like that Ebo kind of thing with it again, the ha. I don't think that. I don't think that's I said there. something like yeah. that. I, but there, there's, there's some a little keyboard there. There's or something. still something. Da, 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 it kicks da, da, da. in. It's got that thumping heavy bass on it. Slowed down. It would have been plotting. No, and not sl- not slow. Gotta, it, okay, it if it plotted. had been that's bumped down if, a tick if, or if two, you, if you go too far, it would <laughs> I plot. Love this. But there's a point where it could really get raunched out, and it would have a. It could have been like. I think it's already there. Uh, uh, I, th- I think that raunchiness I'm, I, is listening there. Listening to it today, all I could think of is I could see Jimmy Durante going, "Yakata, yakata, yakata, yakata," and that's what you see. I see I someone strutting down the streets of New York City, smacking well, hoes, and you know, doing dirty living. I think, I think, I think it could have been dirtier. I just think the song. Could be dirtier, is I guess my point on that. But but honestly, I think this song has the most swag, if we're going to use that word or vibe, out of the whole record because because I, of the tempo. I think it, it's it's strut it's a strut tempo, right? Yeah. But which is the dirty living. If you listen to it, the lyrics wouldn't match up as if we had it if we bumped it down three BPM. You know, talking about just that slow, just that touch slower. You're talking about bump it down even three P, uh, BPM. It could still strut. It wouldn't be strutting like it is. It's strutting with a purpose right now. But early because you no, know, it wouldn't strut. It would swagger. That's the difference. I, they won't strut. I know, and I want swagger. I think this song. <laughs> yes. I think this They're is a missed strutters. opportunity. This is a missed opportunity to have a swagged out, fucking raunchy rock and roll track, and instead they're going for something that's more, like you said, a strutting di- dance track. And that's to me. I'm just like this could have been a rock and roll song. I'll, and, I'll throw and this it's out. It's not. They. It's it, you know. A- and this is something where Peter really could have shined. And he does, but he could have shined brighter because this song could have been a fucking kick-ass rock and roll song. My defense on Kiss playing slower swag songs ain't none of your business. No, that's not. No, that's not slower swag. That's slow. That's not good. I'm talking like like Mr. Speed. See, I'm seeing again. You're not a Stones fan, so you're not hearing what I'm hearing. Well, I hear hear anyone that knows the Stones well enough would understand completely what I mean by that. No, no, no. But this sounds. I I take on Bruce to that. I know exactly what you're talking about, and the reason Mr. Speed works at that tempo and would have lost something if it had been sped up is the riff. Well, that's what I'm saying. The riff and dirty living. If you you told it and pulled the riff out. What is the riff and dirty living? I don't... That's the bass. 
That's not the rhythm. I think part of it too. It's really a keyboard. The rhythm is just. I know, but you can do it with a guitar. Right, but they are doing that with the guitar. They're doing that. No, while the keys are doing the. I'm saying that could be a riff. Okay, well they can make that a riff, but that doesn't lend itself to something like Mr. Speed, where you've got the ba da 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 da, which gives it that stonesy kind of. Never in the history of this song has it ever been discussed at this this point. I think it's. I think it's a fine. Dance rock song, and I think a lot of it had to do with Vinnie Poncia too. Well, let's keep it. Let's keep it moving here. We're gonna we're gonna lift the needle, flip the record, and we get to charisma. This is one of my favorites on the record, and it's interesting because this is this is deep into an album before we get a vocal performance from Gene. Yeah, yeah, a whole side. He only has two songs side. on this and whole fucking album. And something probably my biggest thing on this is the co-write on this song. Yep. Howard Marks. Howard Marks. Well, only because he just came up with the title Charisma. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Why he would give him a credit on that, I don't know. Uh, but then again, you know, we weren't there. What do we know? Charisma. It's This song is stupid, but when I was it is a little stupid, kid, but I love this it. was like our favorite song on the record. Is it my sexuality? Yeah, well, we, love, we love that line because it just sounded naughty. <laughs> and, and I can remember anybody that had that record that I remembered back in the day to a, to a kid i was gonna say to a man but to a kid (laughs) to each each you know everyone was like charisma's the best song everyone loved that song everyone loved that song really it's so it's so catchy that i can remember going to the beach that summer and of course you know by then i was made for loving you was a big hit and Mm -hmm. hear it coming out of the car radios we up and down the the grand strand there and all and we were you know we met we'd always every year you'd meet some family and they'd have kids and you make new friends and blah 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 blah. we met some kids that year and it was like charisma man and they were like well you got the new kiss album you like kiss yeah i find it weird that they like yeah it's great what's your favorite song Charisma. See, I like Charisma. Again, I don't think there's a bad song oh, on this record. I'm, but I'm I just saying from at that point in time. Right. Well, of the Gene songs, because again, honestly, I love Charisma, and this is jumping ahead a little bit. I think X-Ray Eyes is a better Gene song. So Interesting. For, so with people kind of going, they loved Charisma best, I'm sitting here going, I'm like, Okay, you know, you might just not be an Ace or Paul fan, so you won't like the others. But really, out of yeah. those two genes, that's really the one you even pick. Got, even when I got older, I got friends that were like, "Oh yeah, I remember. I like that one song, Charisma." But I can remember when when we got the album. You know, uh, well, we, my brother. Okay, um, I didn't buy it, <laughs> and we were li- they're li- listening to it in his bedroom, and I don't know why he's letting me listen to it, but that song's playing, and I can remember my dad coming into the doorway, mm-hmm. and he sort of listened to it, and he starts teasing us, right? He's going, because Gene's voice is kind of, it sounds kind of aged on this track. He's singing in a baritone, and one, and not to pull you too far from your story, one of my favorite little things he does is in this song. It's after the solo bit, or kind of it, it breaks it back down. There's a vocal of him yeah. doing high range and a vocal of him doing low range yeah. at the same it's, time. I think that's a vocoder thing doing the bass. What is my? What is my? I, I think those are two vocal tracks. I think he's sitting here doing the what? Uh, he's uh, he's sitting here doing the uh, was my charisma I, like that? And what the other vocal right. doing? Was yeah, my charisma? Yeah, yeah. Well, we were listening to that, and my old man comes in, and he's standing in the doorway, and he's like, "Yep, you hear that, boys? They're getting old." Oh, ain't gonna be around much longer. Damn, I'll never forget that as long as I live. I don't know why I remember that. I can remember much longer though. Like shut up, you know. Oh, oh, boys, uh, forty years later, hear the age. (laughs) They're not gonna be around much longer. They're getting old. Uh, Magic touch. It's okay. I like this one a good bit. Not my favorite of the Paul songs, but it does feel like a leftover of his solo record. you know what? I love this song. Yeah. I just love it. I've always loved this song. It just seems like it sounds like it just says she's got the magic touch throughout the entire fucking song. And you know what? <laughs> well, yeah, but um, I mean, but when she does, that's all you can think about. I think that's like pa- the only other I, line. <laughs> I think Paul's two songs on this record, or there's these three. Two, there's three, but of the two of this and sure knows something are the two best songs on this record. Mm-hmm. I really do. I just, I just really like it now, and I could see this song being a lover boy song, which is not a compliment. <laughs> yeah, but I can, and that's you know, 
but I just he does this so well and it's delivered so well. Mm-hmm. And also, think, and I still don't understand what the hell he's singing in that middle middle part where you know where he starts singing the falsetto. Oh yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And I also think this kind of comes uh, when you flip over to side B, or even starting with. Uh, Maybe not Dirty Living. So, yeah, starting with uh, Side B, it kind of becomes a full-on hard rock and kiss record again. Yeah, it does. It really does. Uh, it's That's that's good to note. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because Har 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 Space is conceded to or ceded to Ace. Yep. Yep. Rather than more Gene or Paul, you get another Ace song. Yes. Out of the three. five demos he said, he got he gets three. You get, and dude, I love this, this song. Is, this is hard times. Hard times. It's, it's I don't like it until it gets to that descending part that Ace throws in, like say "Coming Home" or uh, you know those little uh, or uh, what is it? Uh, what's on your mind? Those little dun 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 dun. That's when it picks up for me. Hard times. Well, this is an autobiographical. Ace tune, or at least, mm-hmm. or at least, quote unquote, autobiographical. Yeah. Uh, does it matter? Okay, real quick, I'm thinking. I know, is, I kind of threw him off a little bit. No, is is the riff the riff you're talking about? Is the first riff? No, I'm talking about the uh, the very middle of it when it kind of uh, you know does that you know coming home thing or that uh, what's on your mind thing that. Dun, oh, dun, dun, you're, dun. okay. You're talking about the the. The that's not even part. really part of the song. That's like a, that's like a pre-solo bit that yeah, he only plays like once. Yeah, but that's when it gets good to me. Uh, I don't no. like the re- I don't like it leading up to it. Everything else is great. The riff, the yeah, but it's and then even the little walk into the main song with the but I don't like the way the vocal is. I don't like the way the vocal is, and I know it's Ace. I know it's his vocal. I just don't. I totally understand what you're saying, and I don't necessarily disagree with you. I remember again. And we had the single for I Was Made For Loving You before the album came out. And this is the flip side of that single. I'm not even talking into my microphone. <laughs> I don't, You're I don't in. Test what do. Uh, <laughs> but I remember this was the flip side, and it was much more preferred to the A side. you know. And I think that's only because at that point, you know, we were reaching – certainly I was following a, my brother's lead. He's reaching puberty, and it's going to be chainsaw rock and roll from then on. You yeah. Know? Uh, so – I, we we really like this song, um, you know. It's clearly not Peter playing drums on this, yeah. But we didn't know that at the time, and we wouldn't have thought that at the time. Of course, you know, it's just Peter, Ace and Anton. Is not it? only would Peter never play a beat like this, he probably couldn't play a beat like this. It's sort of kind of off time thing. Yeah, you know, just thought about but this. That doesn't Two thousand man, hard times, and save your love all could have been on Ace's solo record because all it is is all Ace and Anton. Yeah. Well, yep. I just now thought about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and again, he's given lots of room on this album. And, uh, you know, deservedly so. Deservedly I think he's so. doing, but, knocking but it out I, of the I park. Don't, I don't know if uh, it feels like he's getting so much room because he's singing his own songs here. And of course, he's playing all his own mm-hmm. stuff. But uh, I'm surprised. You know, I wonder what this track would have sounded like with a Peter style drum beat. And it's also interesting that y'all bring that up, too, because they're already citing, if you read, like, you know, Paul and Gene's comments about Ace at this time, they're already talking about how much of a problem he's becoming and this, that, and the other, too. And here he is producing, you know, half of this album, almost. And honestly... Or, or, you know, creating content for it, I should say. I think the only bit that Peter probably couldn't have played is um, those little stop breaks with well, the, the he would have played it, I think he would have played it straight through kind of like uh, they talk about the off time thing they tried to do for Flaming Youth and instead they just changed it to just a double time thing so I think that's the only bit that Peter though wouldn't have been able to do because you think about the rest of the song you know the the little breaks heading into the hard well times. it would have been a different feel is all I'm saying it's not well, you were I'm saying not, that I'm he couldn't have played it, I'm not so. shitting his playing he couldn't have played it like that it would have been a very different thing, and I think the whole song would have had a different feel, and maybe it would have created a different delivery in a different context. Probably, you know. But this seems like a, a, a as much unkiss like as I was made for love you in its own way, just by the fact that it has that kind of offbeat drum part on it. I don't so hear that at all. left field compared to Kiss, it's just not a Kiss track. See, I would say I would say sure and, know and, something and I, think, and I was made for loving you is more non-kiss tracks. And you would think that this is the Hell more solid this is more of a solid song for Ace to be doing than when they go to play 
you know, when they go to tour to play live songs from this, they choose know, 2000 right? man instead, because I don't think they could have worked this out. Uh, but that's just me. I just, you know, yeah, it's, I, good I'm not, it's a good song. And not knocking it at all. Yeah, but you it are. Just, it just you hate it, Russ. You no, hate it. I don't, I don't. You hate it. That's why you just you want to change yeah. every bit of it. All right. It's like you said. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, hey, if y'all think I hate this, wait till we get a little further down. <laughs> this is the last of the good years here. <laughs> uh, X-ray eyes. It's. I like it. I don't like it as much as charisma, but I love the the part in the chorus where the vocals come in. Where it's like ah, it's like, that's X-ray usually what happens eyes. in the choruses. Ah. Those, 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 uh, those three part, those harmony vocals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Honestly, I think X-ray eyes is a better Gene song than charisma. I think this song, if you think about the demon of this era, I feel like this hits home because because even it, the the riff is dark. That dun da 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 bom bom is is kind of sinister See, sounding. You think you think so? That take the riff by itself. You're listening to everything wrapped I can, around I, it. I, I, now that you're saying that, I can hear notes. if you did it differently, it could. His demo version is a lot more sinister. See, to me, I've got this. I've always heard this as a bubblegum song. It is with the way it they deliver very, it. It's but, very poppy. But if you take just the if you take the piano out of it and literally turn up Gene's bass, it becomes a sinister song because the lyrics and slowed the tempo even. I mean, if you want it to be slow, that's fine. I know you want to slow down this whole record. No, that's I'm fine. Just saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> Every it, song you've said, slow down no, the tempo. I haven't, no, I haven't. <laughs> One thing I've also noticed too is that Gene loves rhyming eyes and lies. But so, but you <laughs> well, take so take the pianos out of that song. Take the delivery out of it. Listen to the lyrics and what he's saying. I've got X-ray eyes. I can see right through your lies. Someday you'll say you'll come crawling back to me. You know, I'm the one and only. It's it's not a bubblegummy type lyric. It's almost kind of a revenge. Guess what you just left lost he's, out on? He's trying to make I it can see through your, a well, bit. I, I can see through your bullshit yeah, is what he's saying. I understand that, but uh, you know, you just made a good point. I've always thought Gene was a lazy lyricist. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think this is lazy lyrics. I think it's, in fact, let's see what have I wrote in my notes here. I've got uh, that's what I wrote feels a little lazy but flip the script and change this a little bit and you know this could have been a Ramon song okay go on now you're really hitting me out of left field you're going to <laughs> yeah, you explain it, yourself I just because of the whole the, that kind of poppy thing I could hear that power chorded out kind of maybe towards the end of the spectrum where they do something like psychotherapy but uh you know, it just to me, this just feels like, uh, I guess maybe that sci fi kind of, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's a little bit cinematic. A little, you know, they would do the, you know, a lot of the, uh, you know, uh, give me, give me shock treatment and that sort of thing. X ray eyes would have fell in that. I could see this being twisted, not like the way Kiss does it. But I could see this being. I'm just trying to hear it a, any other way. I would almost go hard times as closer to a Ramon song. Mm, I can too hear much, that. There's too much turnarounds in that. This guy, I can see. This I can oh, see being were, converted to a power, th- power think, chord. Think thing. Road to Ruin and all the turnarounds they were doing on stuff mm-hmm. like uh, Bad Bad Brain. Yeah, I don't know. Well, they, it might be fair too, but I'm just saying this seems like a bubblegum rocker to me, and I don't. It's it's. But I the way you just described it. Now I'm starting to hear you. You know, I could hear that be a Sabbath riff almost. Boom, 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 Well, that's still, still maybe. Not, I don't know. It still feels poppy to me. It's it, just, it sounds it, okay. Those are play, pop chords. Play, play those chords on an organ. And tell me Dracula's not going to raise from his tomb. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I've never, ever heard that. I've never heard it that way. Because I guess I've just... Remember, I've got 40 years of it being just that way in my brain. Mm -hmm. But I've always loved this song. This is one of my favorite on the album. All this this to say is pretty good. It's completely silly. It's completely trite. But you know what? I love it anyway. I just always have. Yep. Uh, I agree. And then the album winds up with Save Your Love. Best ace track on the record. And a rare... Ace and Paul duet. Yeah, I wonder whose idea that was. No idea, it's but I love duet, it. It's not a duet, but Paul brings in the... The chorus part. The chorus, and then they got him on the turnaround at the end. Save your love, which yeah. is a cool idea. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I don't like this song. You don't like it? I have really? Never, I have never really cared Ace for it. Song. Even when I was a little kid, I liked the verse part, but we always thought the chorus was just dorky sounding. I mean, it, isn't it as dorky as like charisma? I, yeah, it's way dorkier. 
<laughs> it's clunky and dorky. I think sounding. it's pretty similar. And I think Charisma's the dorkiest yeah. on the record, to be honest. <laughs> what is my fortune on my phone? But I, I, agree, I agree about the Paul Stanley thing, though. I think, you know, having him put that, the, the, you know, that kind of sass in there and mm-hmm. it, just well, that little it's life. odd though he's not even really the one doing the sass ace is doing the save your love i don't want it but it save feels your like love for someone else at the end of the day this whole album it's interesting because how many tracks is it's only like it's only like nine nine, nine tracks yeah nine so it feels like it's like they were short of material you've got one cover they've given ace three songs They've kind of, I mean, you would think that they could have given Peter one more song. It wasn't like they didn't have time and space to put it on the record. Either that or they're just like, this is crap, except for this one song. I mean, yeah, this is only one track less what, than Love but, Gun. But, I mean, I don't think that, it, you know, judging by those demos, uh, I just, I don't know, you know, Out of Control could have fit on this record mm-hmm. easily. And it was not Out of Control. It, it, it's, it, well, that's one of the demos that he ended up on on his other in fact the peter solo albums sound like you know basically brother albums to this because it's the same vibe the same kind of musician well the same kind of overall kind of production right. and everything so yeah they could have given him more room on this it just feels like this this album is undercooked in a way it's like we were talking and that about- is odd that the, it feels like nine songs is kind of short because i was doing just a quick little run through just to see comparisons love gun was 10 which included the one cover but then uh skipping alive Two, we go to uh gene's solo album it has 11 but we can take out uh, when you wish upon a star and just round it up to 10 really well, but then ace's uh album has nine included fractured mirror so he wrote eight uh peters had 10 total and then paul's had nine total well y'all brought up a point earlier about how uh those aren't collaborative albums though i mean they are but they aren't you know what i mean there's the solo albums i think and we talked about especially paul's album felt a little well, it's under. Well, it feels undercut because everybody's in their own camps putting well, all this stuff that's together what I'm too. It's like it just feels you, you, you know. And I'm saying this also a little bit with hindsight, but uh, it just seems to me that um, you know, looking at it now, it seems like you know, and, and given that they had an abnormal length of, excuse me, time off, they could have come. They obviously came to the table prepared with a lot of stuff, but here we've got a cover song. We've got only one Peter song. There's room for at least one more song. So only and two it's almost Gene like songs. they're building. It's like there's only the only the only three songs that feel completely fully realized to me are the Paul songs. Yeah. I mean, well, hard times. Hard times is seems fully realized. But um, yeah, for an A song, that's I can I'd agree. The rest with that. of it, like Gene's, seem, both seem kind of a little bit lazy. Uh, you know. Ace's song, The Savior Love, I don't think is one of, especially compared to Hard Times, it's not near as strong. I don't know. That's, it just, that's how it feels. Uh, the album ships on May 23rd, 1979. Um, and gets a boatload of, you know, chart positions, top 10 positions. Now, like, real quick, while y'all were talking, before you move on, I, want, I did some nerd research because you were talking about it felt like it was kind of half baked, could have had more on there. Total runtime of the record is 39 minutes. Oh well, then you yeah. can fit an average of twenty minutes per side. Right, so that makes sense. They would have not been able to put another song been, on yeah. this when because the reason I wanted to look that up and not just speak, you know, just too fast. This is the first record that's clocking in at every song aside from two is over four minutes long. Yeah, uh, I was made for. I mean, uh, two thousand man is five seconds away from being a five minute song. Yeah, well, that's the other thing about two thousand man. It's just it it it's a it just feels like what it is. It's a mm-hmm. long song. I don't know. I I mean, sorry, I, I don't want to break it up too bad, no, but, right. but it's like I was kind of no, thinking about it because, because I thought about that part you've too consider, myself. You've got to consider the, the the primary format of the time is vinyl, and you have the limitations of. Of, of a vinyl side it's yeah. not cd where you have 70 minutes basically mm-hmm. to, to squeeze shit on there right. um but the album comes out in may of 79 and uh they begin the uh pre-production for their tour to support it mm-hmm. um i got some uh, chart positions worldwide that are of significance okay go and, for it yeah so like, it becomes number uh 
in the in the Dutch, it's uh, number one in the in the in the. It's a, it's Wait, a is Dutch this for on the Dynasty or for I was made for love? For uh, di- uh, I think Dynasty overall. Okay. And in the U.S., it was number nine. Australia, number two. France, number two. New Zealand, number two. Canada, number six. And also wrote in the, the UK, it was at number 50, which I thought was inter- interesting. Like, it hmm. kind of peaked in the top 10 just about everywhere else. But in the UK, which you would think would be a pretty good market for Kiss. No, not at that time. No, it's just like number 50, especially yeah. since there are, uh, this is like the dance record and everything, well, this too. Is cut, but in England, you're still kind of in the... In the in punk, probably, in punk right? Rock, yeah. Yes, to a certain extent. Well, what did Australia, does, what's it say? Number two. Yeah, because this... They're, they're this gonna, was huge in Australia. Oh, yeah. yeah, these this and the next time are, uh, you know, they're really big in Australia. But like, we'll, and, we'll talk about that more on the on the next one. And yeah. real quick, I do actually want to put a pin on this episode because we are at roughly an hour right now discussing the record and everything else. I'd like to toss out to the table that we reconvene and make this a two parter because the Dynasty tour is almost worth an episode yeah, only. This is an abnormally long tour, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of ground, I guess, to cover in that. But Because um, we can kind of start going into a bit more of the personal things, because this is the last time Peter's really around, because he wasn't really around for the unmasked session. He showed up for a day just to do the video, but then for everything we've kind of seen, he was out. So, I mean, this is kind of a, a chance for us to really delve into the ins and outs of what was going on with, you know, the uh, a coin management, you know, what everyone was deciding to do with Peter, what was going on with him, and kind of, again, what's our point well, of the show to kind of still... separate the fact from the fiction and yeah. take all sides of the story and be able to kind of go, well, this is probably what was happening here. Well, it, I agree yeah, with the, that. This is this is the beginning of the end. This tour, yeah, this is the final tour with all four original members. So it's kind of significant. Yep. So I guess then we'll uh, we'll hold that on, hold that thought. Yeah, we'll hold off on the touring conversation. I th- I think that's a whole episode in and of itself. And we'll hopefully you'll join us for a continuation of the Dynasty era on the next episode of No Time to Turn for Cap for Alex. I'm Russ, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Please insert another coin by supporting the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash somethinggoodnetwork.